that increased the yields. And then also these new chemical manures that came in around the 1850s and 1860s, where we really started looking at potash and some of the fertilizers that are now sort of mainstays of, mm. of, uh, of modern agriculture. Some people are a little more critical in their assessment of Malthus. What Malthus didn't have, what he, he didn't even seriously think uh, was a possibility, was innovation, technical change, what we would call science-based agriculture. It hadn't happened in the history of mankind, and he didn't uh, consider it was possible. That was the big thing he got wrong. Yes, I'm Daniel Sumner. I'm a professor of agricultural and resource economics at the University of California, Davis. What has been the, the revolutionary innovation in, in sort of science-based farming that has made it possible to feed as many people as we do now? The application of fertilizer. Simple as that. In, in, in uh, the very early part of the 20th century, uh, people created uh, Haber and Bosch, two Germans, created a process to uh, create nitrogen fertilizer from natural gas. Yeah, that was adopted in a massive way in the United States and other places to grow basic grains. And then it has gradually spread around the world, at least most places where policies and economic rigidity doesn't get in the way. That can also be manure. It, it can be other things. So there's one. But the seed technologies, hybrid seeds spreading around the world, new ways of doing things. And then in the last 15 or 20 years, uh, genetically modified organisms, at least for three or four commodities. It's really uh, corn and soybeans are primarily, but uh, the food crops and feed crops that uh, GMOs are used for, but also sugar beets and cotton and a few other things. So Malthus may have miscalculated and he may have something of a lack of imagination, but there still seems to be something undeniably logical about the relationship he identified between population growth and the available food supply. Joel Bourne, for one, takes it seriously and thinks it's more relevant than ever. I mean, after all, he just published a book called The End of Plenty, The Race to Feed a Crowded World. Malthus's principal theory that, you know, population has a tendency to outgrow food production is, is, is certainly correct. And it's like what we're starting to see now is, of course, is, is this real disconnect between supply and demand. And, you know, the, the demand, food demand is driven primarily steadily by population growth. You know, 80, more, 80 million more mouths to feed every year requires that much more food. We have to keep going or somebody's going to get hungry. And so, you know, what we saw uh, uh, around the turn of the century, 2000, when agricultural yields of wheat, rice, and maize, which are the three primary crops that provide the bulk of all the calories, you know, directly or indirectly around the planet, started to level off. We started to see this plateau in our agricultural yields, but there was no plateau in population. We, our population continued to grow, and because fertility rates have stubbornly refused to fall, our projections of future population are continuing to grow. We used to think we were going to get to 2050, hit 9 billion, and then have that nice easy curve down to back where we were today by the end of the century. But in 2015, the UN's revised projection on global population showed the planet is going to have even more people on it than that. Uh, we're going to hit 9.6 billion in 2050, and then 11 billion by 2100. And this is where uh, it really starts to get problematic, because if climate change continues apace, um, if we see a 4-degree rise in global average surface temperatures, which our current emissions are scheduled to give us, uh, a broad review of these studies by the Royal Society a few years ago said we could have 
half of our agricultural land, two billion hectares, uh, either less suited or completely unsuitable for agriculture when population hits 11 billion. And of course, this is the crux. How are you going to feed four billion more people on half your agricultural land when you already have almost a billion people hungry right now? It just doesn't add up. You mentioned that the the you know the amount of arable land could could go away by virtue of climate change. I'm also thinking about the sort of the urbanization of the world. How does that affect how much food we're going to be able to produce in the world? Oh, it's incredible, and it's one of these sort of silent killers that nobody pays much attention to. Um, but currently, we have about we farm about four billion hectares. That's that's about forty percent of all the dry, ice-free land on Earth. It is the largest footprint, you know, human footprint on the planet. Mm-hmm. But we lose 30 million hectares each year to development and degradation. So some, some of this is you know, just paving it over and putting up shopping malls and apartment complexes. Some of this is...